0: And they've got a free roll with five K up top as well for the for the showdown uh, on tomorrow night, which is pretty nice too. Like you said, for casuals,
1: for sure. They're really they're really showing off for casuals tomorrow, which is good. Which is good. Yeah.
0: Let's rock, baby. Yeah, what is going on, everybody? Welcome to the awesomeo.com NFL strategy show. Happy to be with you as always, talking NFL Thanksgiving Day football presented by Prize Picks. I'm Dave Lochran at Lafay underscore D, joined by Matt Gajeski at Matt underscore Gajeski. Three games, not exactly the most stellar slate of contests, but with some of the injuries we have on tap, some of the questionables. Some of the ownership that we've got. We ran our ownership. We ran our top stacks. All of that first run is in. Matt, it's still going to be a fun one to break down. And I know you love these slop fests as much as I do.
1: 100%, man. Couldn't have said it better myself. Three-game slate, Thanksgiving, there's just all this excitement for it. So many casuals playing, just so many people off of work, enjoying football throughout the day. And it's a unique slate, not just because there's only three games, which kind of makes an interesting ownership puzzle, but there are three island games. So you have late swap potential, a lot of equity that could be gained just by making adjustments throughout the day, and not to mention we have three separate showdown slates too. A lot of really fun football ahead of us.
0: Three separate big showdown slates. One's 50k up top, another's I think 200k, another's bigger than that. I mean, there's some some huge contests. There's no doubt about it. Um, yeah, I, it's not my birthday, but. They will say that every single show. No, my birthday is March 26th. So mark that in your calendars. Richard says, Lafayette had a dream last night. You were commentating the X Games. Maybe I fell asleep to YouTube playing. <laughs> That's awesome. I went to the X Games twice, Matt, when they were in Philadelphia, and it was awesome. I was a kid. I was like 15 years old. I won the fan skateboard competition there as well in one year. So got that on my border. I was at the time. Yeah. I won best trick and highest Ollie both in the same day. Pretty sweet. When did you
1: say, when did you say your birthday
0: was? March 26th.
1: All right. Don't ask me why I know this, but you share a birthday with the one and only Chad Kelly.
0: You knew that? Why did you know that?
1: I love Chad Kelly. (laughs)
0: That's awesome.
1: I just have a locker of random information in my head, but. Chad Kelly. Chad Kelly, the former Ole Miss quarterback that flamed out of the NFL, got in trouble. Yeah,
0: I know Chad Kelly. That's phenomenal. Anyway, we're happy to have you guys with us. If you haven't done so yet, hit that thumbs up. Thanksgiving is rapidly approaching. It'll be here tomorrow. We'll be back with you for a three and a half hour live stream going up to kickoff. So not going anywhere. You know, the grind of the DFS content world. But Hammer that thumbs up and hit that subscribe button if you haven't done so yet. 66,500 subscribers now. Thanks to all of you lovely souls out there. We're almost at 70K, and it'll be a great day when we achieve that goal. Moving up, doing big things in this world. And if you want to, hit that join down below the thumbs up. You can get, of course, the the custom emojis. You can get mine and Alex. And and we got to get one for you, Matt. We got to get like a four. I don't want one, man.
1: It's going to be bad
0: why we got to get a four low like chugging a four low oh that'd be so great
1: i made a promise well like i'm gonna have to do one on one of these streams i don't know when but we have josh, josh was clamoring for likes and he volunteered me to do one but i don't know when
0: well i mean i think for our our christmas stream oh, what a mess that that was a beautiful disaster last year
1: yeah the thing was last year i was by myself so i i didn't have anybody to to entertain on christmas christmas eve i think it was i was just here at my apartment by myself
0: i don't know if i'll be a family in... this
1: year being a drunk mess yeah <laughs> okay we'll
0: figure something out we will figure something out i think it was like the 23rd are you going to be away on the
1: 23rd i'm not going to be away for any of it i'll just be around family and i don't okay. know if i want to want to be a drunk mess in front of them
0: at least not that early that's true Jordan was on the west coast I think and he was killing a bottle of kettle one by
1: 7 a.m that was unbelievable that was I, the most unbelievable part of the stream
0: I think he said he slept 24 straight hours after
1: the- your body needs to after that
0: oh he was toast uh but yeah that'll be a lot of fun hopefully you guys will join us for that I know some of you uh, enjoy those live streams. When we just get out of control, you can have some drinks with us, but we got some football to talk about Matt. And like I said, uh, custom emojis, the badges, as you can see with, with Jacob, uh, and, and everybody else in here. Awesome. Yo, myself uh, huge beats and a bunch of others that'll pop in with the badges. You get a free super chat every month. You get the, uh, the priority access and questions and we'll always shout you out. Cause we love the the team. Awesome. All around this way. Anyway, Matt, I, I looked at ownership. I looked at top stacks, and I will say it's very difficult right now to get like a, a good to get your finger on the pulse of ownership. But I, I here are my here's my thinking right now, and you tell me if you agree or disagree, and we can we can go from there. I don't think Alvin Kamara plays. I think Zeke plays. I don't think Allen Robinson plays.
1: I'm in 100% agreement with you. Zeke already practiced in full. like he's, he's playing, and we know Zeke does not miss games for injuries unless they are very severe. Kamara hasn't. He tried to practice one time last week. It did not go well, and he has been, he's been a DMP since then, so he's a hard one to kind of gauge. The fact that he tried to return and couldn't right away suggest that he's trying to get back out there, but I still think the short week makes him a little bit questionable, and Allen Robinson with the hamstring, like, He's still DMP throughout the week. Those things just don't get better overnight. So until Alan Robinson even turns in limited practice, I'm just going to assume he misses games. The real interesting one for me is Mark Ingram. Mark yes. Ingram, yeah, DMP yesterday. He's very questionable to play at this point, And he's not expensive, but then even cheaper than him, the presumed lead back without Ingram would be Tony Jones coming off injured reserve, a guy that actually spelled Kamara a little bit to begin the year. He's the stone minimum and we already are dealing with a situation where we basically don't have a lot of salary constraints on this straight on the slate and Tony Jones Jr. Being the lead back would exacerbate that problem even more.
0: That's the thing, right? Because see, Tony Jones would be locked in everywhere, especially after what people saw Jonathan Taylor do last week. Granted, not the same running back at all, not the same team, but He's also minimum salary on a three-game slate. Man, that's going to explode ownership. And then if CeeDee Lamb ends up being out, he has yet to get a practice in. These concussions are weird, Matt, because you can just come out – you can just get out of the protocol and then be okay. But there's a lot. So
1: we have yeah. to – You can also we'll – start- you, you can get limited practices when you're in protocol. So if he's DMP, it, it suggests to me he's not at the stage he needs to be to get that clearance, like the snap, like snap of your fingers. Sure. They so said he
0: was, like, running light, light sprints or something.
1: Yeah, and it, those are just stages.
0: Right. So uh, he did a light run-through session Tuesday. That doesn't really mean much at all.
1: Are you projecting I'm, I'm, Lamb out then? Yeah, almost with certainty. Recovering from a concussion in five days, like, it's almost unheard of for guys to do it in seven days at this point. It, w- it would be a shock to me. I think
0: you're right. Danny P says Jordan was the star of the show last year. No question. No, was, no doubt.
1: It was amazing.
0: Which is hilarious because he's so afraid to be on camera when he's producing shows. It's like, I've tried to get the producer cam forever now. And he's like, no, I'm not doing it. I'm not doing it. But then there he is, you know, two days before Christmas, just rocking
1: out. If it wouldn't mess up our settings, I would show you guys the look Jordan Klein normally gives on our zoom calls. But basically, if I were to lower my head about six inches, so you can only see from the <laughs> nose up. That's how Jordan sits on camera. So yeah. You can only you can only see his eyes.
0: Yep. And when you say like if I say something irreverent <clears throat> or just something that he's like, wow, I can't believe you just said that. You just see, hold on, let me get down. Ah, it's not gonna work. I was trying to go I know that. I
1: I thought I could do it too. I don't think I can without messing but up the settings see, like, for Mike on the back end. Did
0: you just see the eyes go up like this? And you know that he's like, oh, Luffy shouldn't have said that. But <laughs> <yeah>. <laughs> anyway, um, let's talk a little more football here. Let's do it. I, the injuries are crazy. You got to tune in for the live stream tomorrow. But I already started building lineups, and I've come up with some stuff that I feel pretty good about. I just don't know how long it's going to last. Like, Jones ownership will come through the roof. Mooney's ownership will skyrocket if it doesn't it should I'm telling you right now if Robinson is out Gallup's going to come up even higher Cedric Wilson all of those guys are just going to get a ton of love Montgomery right now 40.9 percent projected ownership Matt against this Detroit defense I totally get it teams are running the ball like crazy against them I went over to odd shopper and looked at his prop I already hit the over on the rushing prop we've got him at He's at 75 and a half yards on FanDuel, right? Overs just slightly juiced. We have him projected for 94.4 rushing yards. And, you're t- and I get it, right? Because th- that's a lot. Maybe it comes down a little bit, but he's still going to clearly be over that 75 and a half. He played 92% of snaps last week. Uh, no, sorry, 95% of snaps. He played 56 of 59 possible snaps. And Khalil Herbert has become an afterthought entirely at this point. I don't even think if Damian Williams returns with that calf and the injury that he's going to get anywhere because he was way behind Khalif Raymond, uh, or sorry, uh, Khalil Herbert, before Montgomery came back. So I get this ownership. I understand he's 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 up there, but I, I think at his price point. And the expected workload that, oh, and no rushing, uh, no rushing vulturing from Justin Fields with Dalton starting, that David Montgomery does deserve to be a popular back this week. And I'm hitting that over. We have it at a huge 70 plus percent expected win rate on Odd Yeah.
1: I mean, you didn't even really touch on the matchup that much. They're playing Detroit. I know. They should, they should be able to run all over Detroit. I mean, 15 of 16 total RB touches last week, all but one touch David Montgomery handled and that, that game didn't exactly go to, according to plan. Otherwise, you probably would have seen Montgomery with an even larger workload. We're in lockstep for all the reasons you mentioned, and then you just add in that they're playing Detroit. And you can't really draw it up much better, and I would expect this to move. So if you are looking to take this prop, I wouldn't wait till tomorrow morning. I would try to hit it as soon as possible.
0: How many times have we seen that recently? Like, we- Dude.
1: Go ahead, he, go ahead. Last Wednesday, you brought up the A.J. Dillon prop, and it was at like 62 yards. I was on the Sunday live stream and I was like, Oh, I wonder what this moved to. It was up 20 yards. That's crazy. 20 yards. That's why you got it. Like,
0: that's why with odd shopper get in there, right. As these props drop, like you were saying, it's huge. Um, I told you about the one the other day, the Kadarius, Tony, here's a perfect example. Kadarius Tony's prop moved up to 42 and a half, even higher. In some spots It got up to like 45 and a half, but early in the day, we had it as the highest expected win rate, highest expected ROI. And at Odd Shopper, we give you where the best bet is. So, Bet Rivers had it at 38 and a half in the morning, Matt, before it got steamed and, and went up like six yards. If you hit it at 38 and a half, that's the only place you're winning it. That's the only place you would have won it because he had 40. And everywhere else, it either was above that or came up throughout the day. So, you got to get in on these early. You're absolutely right.
1: It's, it's a huge difference maker. And your bottom line at the end of the year, it might not seem like a big deal. What is three yards, but it does matter when you're taking a lot of these props. And if you're betting multiple players on Thanksgiving, I would suggest taking them as early as you can, especially when they're clearly mispriced like Montgomery, because it does matter at the end of the day.
0: Hey, what do you think of Zeke Elliott against the Vegas team? That just looks like they're in full implosion mode right now and really can't stop anybody on the
1: ground. I, it's another situation, just like you mentioned with Montgomery, where I think he's clearly underpriced. And I, I think a lot of the underpricing for Zeke this week comes because of the injury. So he's, based on our odd chopper tool, you can find 60 and a half rushing yards available at DraftKings. I think that is mispriced because of the injury, but seeing him check a full practice on Tuesday, that spell, that it reduces the concerns for me with the workload. The matchup is solid against Las Vegas. I think the strength of that team is up front, but they've gotten significantly weaker since they lost their coach. They've lost some players from injuries. They've had to cut a few others. And then game script projects to be in Ezekiel Elliott's favor. We already know that this dude, he just doesn't miss games because of injuries, unless they're absolutely of the severe variety. So Elliott, I expect him to play, handle a full workload. There's seven point favorites over Vegas. This game has the highest total on the board tomorrow. 60 and a half rushing yards seems a little bit low to me. And then cross reference with our projections. We currently have him at 73 and a half. So that's nice little verification there
0: do you think tony pollard deserves any attention if we're talking about like a lower owned option at running back getting around 16 percent on DraftKings right now or is that a little bit uh out of your price range where he's coming in at
1: i mean three games late we got to consider these guys especially because we know montgomery is going to be more owned elliot's going to be more owned swift And then whatever New Orleans back starts is going to be more. on. So at best, he's going to be the fifth highest on. And then I even think he probably comes in a little lower than like Jacobs and some of these like second tier backs. But there's a situation where maybe Zeke is a little more banged up than we think. Again, I do not see that being the case because he's logging full practices. But then at the same time, if Zeke is banged up in any degree and the Cowboys just route the Raiders, like maybe they pull Zeke from the game. Just why would they need to use him if it's a 14 point game and Pollard? is a very efficient backup. So there is a situation where Pollard maybe outscores Zeke and enters an optimal lineup at his price. Again, I don't think it's the most likely, but you're not playing Pollard because he's the most likely player to reach a ceiling. You're playing him because of the leverage he would give you via ownership.
0: It does kind of feel like a route game, doesn't it?
1: To me, it does. I I haven't bet it, but if I were, it would be on the Dallas side or it would be bust. I wouldn't take it it if you offered me just the Raiders. I wouldn't
0: either. No, I mean, they they just look terrible right now. Seven and a half points. That's not a line I love, though. Like if you you know, if you could get, you're not going to find six and a half anywhere. I don't think. I mean, you could, you could. It's minus one forty though. That's tough. Yeah. But yeah, no, I, I I'm with you, Matt. That to me, I I or just like parlay it with another money line favorite at minus three thirty five. Seven and a half. I I don't love just because that's coming in below the key number and it's eh, it's a little weird but i'm with you on pollard i think there's i i think that that's and and the the other thing too is i always talk about guys that have utility if someone goes down or gets hurt or guys that have utility anyway and it's not like pollard is going to get a massive workload he has clearly seen his role regress recently but he is someone that's still going to have some utility matt like he's still going to get a decent amount of of snaps he'll still get a few targets in the passing game he'll still probably have five to eight carries and if that's the case he can break one he can make some plays you don't need a blowout you don't need zeke to go down in order for Polly to at least have a couple opportunities to make an explosive play either
1: yeah 100 he, he will get mixed into the game and like you said with zeke not necessarily needing to go down i think if they just get up to a semi-comfortable lead you could see more Pollard just naturally because Zeke is banged up. And again, maybe he's healthy enough to play through the injury, but if the game is comfortable and and maybe that's even just like two touchdowns, Pollard could see an extended workload because of that. There's again, the Raiders are not really a competitive team right now. If Dallas can get to that degree of game script, then they could use Pollard a little bit more. Do you have anyone in your family that you just don't
0: want to see for Thanksgiving?
1: My, my family's really small, so I just have my mom, my dad, and my brother, which is, it's, and my dad and my brother are exactly like me. Like, I grew up in my, my household. My dad played football in college, likes to gamble, watch all these games. Like, I remember one time I came home, and my brother and my dad were betting on the high school, like, state football game. I don't know <laughs> what offshore book they found to line it, but I live in Wisconsin, but it's pretty enjoyable because they just operate like I do. That sounds like fun. Yeah, it is. Just drinking and gambling.
0: I love it. Yeah. Uh, my family's very small as well. Very small. Um, but we go, we're going to my, my wife's side of the family, huge Italian family, just like massive. Now we're not doing anything huge, but now that, you know, my brother-in-law, sister-in-law, all of them have, have a kid or two. And then now we have, it starts to to add up a little bit, but I like the more intimate setting. You know, we're not going to have a lot, but yeah, you, know, you go to. I went to a family reunion of hers once, Matt, and it was <clears throat> hundreds of people. You know, hundreds of people.
1: That's unfathomable to me. My my think, family Thanksgiving has been like four people for the longest time. My my girlfriend's coming this year. I'll tell you what. She she's not gonna probably enjoy all the drinking and the gambling, but well, what can you do?
0: What are you gonna drink? Like, what's your go to drink other than Four Loko, You can't be sitting down at Thanksgiving ripping Four Locos.
1: No, I don't drink Four Locos in my family. You know, have you ever heard of Mickey's Fine Malt Liquor? Yeah, of course. Yeah, I love those.
0: It's not fine malt liquor at all. I, I mean, think it, it is,
1: just says that on the can.
0: It, it's, it's like, it's generally sold in 40s. Are you drinking? Yeah, it's are you going to awesome. be drinking four? Oh, no. You were drinking those little. uh
1: They're like grenades.
0: Yeah, that's right. I remember that. I was Mickey's. drinking him on the
1: Christmas stream after the Four loco
0: Mickey's. That's your go. What's your guys' go to? Like me, Matt. I'm gonna be like I'm gonna be behind the scenes ripping straight Jack at times tomorrow. There's no doubt about Love that.
1: Love that. Oh, you but, you know what my dad drinks? What's I that? saw him do this one time. So he he likes to drink a lot of table wine. And then one time, I don't know. I'm sitting at the table. Watching games and I turn over and I see him pour a shot of Fleischmann's whiskey on the top of his table wine. Picks oh, it up a little awesome. bit. And he calls them he calls them whiskey wines. So now I've been on the whiskey wines too. That is awesome. Yeah.
0: So Justin just went out and bought some jack. We're gonna bring it over to my brother-in-law. But then that big thing of wine, that big, like you would think you'd see it in biblical times, you know what I mean? Just a huge yeah. glass jug of wine with the small handle up top that's tough to carry. I know you know, I forget the name of it. I know you know what I'm talking about.
1: I do. I don't know the name of it either, but I know exactly what you're saying.
0: Yeah. Table wine with a shot of whiskey in it. That's phenomenal.
1: It's not bad. You'd be surprised. I'd try it for sure.
0: I'll try I'll try anything, you know, but yeah. Crown, crown, crown and Coke. That's a big one. I, I get that. But yeah, Matt's the exact Nick said, yeah, that's DC malt layer. It's like Northeast stuff. Yeah down in Trenton Mickey's was big and and like, yeah, that absolutely, man. So yeah, you, you fit in fine around here drinking Mickey's.
1: Yeah. When I, when I show up sometime, like the all-star break, when I come out East or something, we'll have to have some,
0: Oh, we're definitely getting together. We're definitely going to get together and have some drinks for sure. Maybe we'll have just an awesome meetup and bring some of the viewers out as well. Just tell them show up. Doesn't matter. We'll hang out.
1: That'd be awesome. What else you doing
0: at running back for, like DeAndre Swift, right? And and Josh Jacobs, who's pulling some ownership right now. Of course, that'll change once we get some other news. I can't even talk about Kamara, and, at Kamara right now, but if you want to hit on Ingram in the event that he plays, I think it's at least more likely than Kamara. But if you want to do that, we already know Tony Jones would be chalk, and I think rightfully so, because I don't really know how else is going to be in that backfield, and we saw how much work Ingram got. But what about the players we haven't hit on?
1: Yes, I, I think that Top two most owned guys are going to be David Montgomery and whatever Saints back plays. If it's Ingram, I know he's more expensive. He still projects really well right now on our side, just looking at the projections. We have Kamara out and Ingram in, and he still projects very well. If you switch that and project just Tony Jones without Ingram, obviously he projects well too because he's the stoneman. The interesting spot for me is what you do with Swift and Elliott and Josh Jacobs. And I expect Swift to be fairly owned just because of the pass-catching ability, and he's shown an upside for just a monster workload. Last week, changed a little bit with Jamal Williams coming back, but it was still largely Swift handling most of the work in that backfield. Elliott has the better matchup, and I think that could just steer some people towards him, especially with all the value we do have on this slate. The interesting stuff to me is like Josh Jacobs. A clear underdog, not a pass catching back. They'll still use other backs in that capacity over him. That could be an interesting GPV play. And this is one way to gain leverage is just maybe you play Montgomery Jones and then you take a stab on Jacobs. Or you get a little bit weird with the Buffalo situation. And I think that is the most volatile backfield that we have on this slate. Just with Matt Breida playing really well last week and Zach Moss and Devin Singletary repeatedly disappointing, the backfield could go to more towards Brita and Buffalo does have a large implied team total. The thing is that one's still just going to be a three-way timeshare to some degree, no matter what. And you just have a clear path to points with some of these others, but I'm not sure running back is going to be my big differentiating point on this slate. I think I'm mainly going to mix Montgomery, Swift, Elliott, Jacobs, and whatever new Orleans back plays, and then get different a little bit else somewhere at a different position.
0: You know how you know our our viewers love to drink, Matt? Because we have more votes on the poll than we have thumbs up, which is impressive, but also wildly insulting.
1: That is, I did not realize that, but it is true. It's very true. Beer pulling away. Whiskey, semi-close
0: second to all my whiskey drinkers out there. Shout out. Some of you guys are probably younger, you know, like young uh, early 20s and, maybe late teens we have a decent amount of like 18 through 24 people watching once you get a little older you will certainly you'll certainly yeah, become more accustomed to whiskey if you're not an alcoholic and haven't needed to stop drinking yet you'll 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 be all about it i probably should stop drinking but i don't know matt you only live once right that's true do, do you have any interest in in any of these Buffalo backs? Cause now you have Matt Brita in the, in the, in the conversation as well. And that just makes things so ugly.
1: Yeah, it does. I, I am interested in Matt Brita. I definitely think he's behind the five that we already talked about, but it's a three game slate. And if you play a guy like Brita, he is your leverage point. You could jam mostly chalk around him unless you're playing something like the Millie maker that we have, Or something like that. But just looking at these backs down here, we're currently projecting Brita for 2.7% ownership. And I think this probably climbs a little bit. We still have Zach Moss projected ahead of him. Ultimately, I think these Buffalo backs probably all come in like around the same ownership, maybe like 8%. But still, that's huge leverage on a three game slate. It's not the normal 8% from your Saturday main slate. Like, I remember last year, I believe we had some players on this slate, like Deshaun Watson maybe, that were upwards of, like, 70% owned. Yes, it was. You're absolutely right. He was. So, we're seeing David Montgomery at 41% as the highest owned player. That's a little low for a three-game slate. So, I mean, if you get a guy coming in at 8%, that's, like, extreme leverage. That's, like, a one percenter on the main slate. It's a great
0: point. And, yeah, actually, I'm pretty – because I remember it was you – uh, me and Kyle and Kyle talking about it. Right. I yeah, think,
1: Kyle Dvorak.
0: Yeah. Because yeah. Kyle Dvorak, formerly of awesome. now yeah. of, is it CBS? Uh, he's NBC? at NBC NBC. NBC. Sp- yeah. Yeah. NBC edge. Uh, good guy too. We like Kyle, but I, um, I remember we had a big discussion on whether or not the fade made sense because it was such a good matchup as well. And there were no other good quarterbacks like David Blau and Mitch Trubisky and you know what I mean? It was not yeah. good at all. And remember Dak Prescott wasn't out, which meant that it had to have been one of those guys that most people don't even talk about or don't even know exist anymore from, from Dallas.
1: Yeah, it was a disaster of a slate. And so kind of to circle back to this slate. If you get like Brita, at 8%, he's just super low owned in the context of the three game slate. And there is upside. I get it, I get it. Who, oh, um, Ben Denucci. Ben Denucci, my guy. And there
0: was another one too. Cooper Garrett, Rush. Cooper Rush and Garrett, Garrett- Gilbert. Garrett Gilbert. Yeah, that's right. That's right. Yeah, Ben Denucci sounds like someone that would be at, you know, my Thanksgiving thing tomorrow, not on a football. <laughs> not on a football field. Hey, um, prize picks. I don't know if you guys have checked it out yet. I got a good one for today. We're going straight back to the, the rushing touchdowns. Well, heavily juiced to the over everywhere else, but not on prize picks. It's a player prop platform. It's awesome. You build lineups, whether it's two, three, four or five with player props, just taking the over or the under there's no juice on either side. There's an insane variety insane menu of sports, football, basketball, baseball, uh, hockey pga hell disc golf cricket i mean seriously there's absolutely anything you could think of on there you can mix sports together if you have knowledge in more than one uh, if you you know more than one area everything about it is a ton of fun and it just keeps getting more popular for good reason i think they're doing the player prop stuff right um, because if you pick five player or a five prop lineup you don't have to hit all five. It's not like another book where you hit, miss that last leg and you're miserable and you can't sleep and you wake up and you know, you hate your life and your family because of it. No, you two X, if you hit four or five, if you th- if you hit three or five, you still make money back, uh, which is really cool. Just look at, check it out. If you haven't done so yet, before you do that, if you're going to sign up, if you're going to deposit, use the promo code. Awesome. AWE You receive uh, an instant deposit match of up to a hundred dollars. Which is huge. Um, Download it in the App Store, Google Play Store, or I like going on the desktop to PrizePicks.com. That's where I look at everything, but they really have everything there. And Matt, I'm going to pick one right now that is that is absolutely a good spot. David Montgomery over a half a rushing touchdown. So essentially, David Montgomery to score a rushing touchdown. If you look on your traditional books, minus 140. So you're getting. It's just a good spot anywhere else. Matt, if I gave you even money on that, which is exactly what this is, if I gave you even money on it and said, do you want that? Or do you want the minus 140? You're going to pounce all over the one that has no
1: juice on either
0: side. So I'm going over a half a rushing touchdown for David Montgomery. What
1: do you got? I a hundred percent agree on that. You mentioned the big thing with the rushing touchdowns. Here's that. It's not the same as a regular sports book where you have to lay a lot of heavy juice on some of these. Mine is going to be Ezekiel Elliott. I'm sticking with what we know here in Elliott. He's actually listed as the same prop as we've seen across the industry at 60 and a half. You and I have already talked about this a little bit, but it's just too low. And we project him for 73. Game scripts working in his favor. Matchups working in his favor against a weaker Las Vegas defense. That's one I like. I love that a lot.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Cool. PrizePix.com, download in the App Store, Google Play Store, or, or and use the promo code AWESMO, AWESEMO when you sign up for up to $100 deposit bonus. Matt, wide receiver, you got Stefan Diggs as chalk right now, Michael Gallup, but we still have, like, we have CD Lamb projected for very little ownership, which means we're giving him a slight projection because we don't have news right now. But once, you said you're pretty certain he's going to be out. Once he's out, Gallup's ownership is definitely going to come up. We have Renfro up there as well. And I'm throwing Darnell Mooney into this chalk category. Cause you and I always break down the chalk first and then pivots on this show. when we're doing main slates. I'm throwing Mooney into the chalk conversation because in the event, we have Alan Robinson projected it. I think I, I feel pretty confident that he doesn't play. Uh, if Alan Robinson's out, I think Darnell Mooney's ownership is going to shoot up. And I've said it all year. I think Andy Dalton, not a mobile quarterback, absolute gunslinger in the sense that he fires with reckless abandon, I think he's good for Mooney. And Mooney saw 16 targets last game, 10 of them with Dalton, who played less than 50% of snaps, and a two-point conversion attempt, and a 60-yard touchdown at 125 yards and a score. The only other game that anyone outside of Goodwin last week has had 100-plus yards this year was Darnell Mooney against this same Lions team, Matt. So, yeah, quarterbacks haven't done great against them lately, but look who they've played, and it makes sense, especially knowing that teams can run. I really do like Mooney because I don't think what Robinson's going to play.
1: I agree with you. I would be shocked if he plays. He for sure needs a limited practice for today. Yeah. And I, I don't think he gets it. He's been DMP the last two days. Doesn't even look close to playing, in my opinion. That locks in Mooney to the wide receiver one spot, and I think the offense just changes a little bit under Dalton probably looking at a slightly elevated pass rate for him. And I think Mooney is going to project really well. Again, we have Robinson projected in right now. So it's a little bit hard to say, but Mooney, I think comes in around the Gallup, around the Hunter Renfro area Gallup versus Mooney is an interesting discussion, but I I don't think there's as much of a a discussion between Mooney and Renfro Renfro always projects really well, but he's basically like the definition of a low floor, low ceiling player. Like Just looking at the recent games for Renfro, he's only been below five targets once this year, was actually in their most recent game, and he's never been above nine. He's never been below 30 yards receiving. He's never been above 77. If he doesn't score a touchdown, Renfro is basically locked into like an 11-point game based on the role in the offense. And that comes not only from, is he playing the low A-dot role in the slot? There's just not a lot of room for big plays there. But he's on an offense that doesn't have a lot of scoring expectation. They're seven-point underdogs again to Dallas. They have the second lowest implied team total on the slate. It's very close to New Orleans. So take that for what it's worth. You could see third in some spots. But overall, not expected to ton of, score a ton of points in Las Vegas. So for me, I would rather get to Mooney. I would rather get to Gallup in that similar price range. And it's not really that close for me.
0: I agree. A hundred percent. Renfro is your typical, you know, kind of hot, like you said, high floor, low ceiling player. And the thing that I hated last week, do you know how many times Derek Carr targeted his wide receivers last week?
1: I don't know off the top of my head, but I know Waller had the big game and receivers did not get a ton of work.
0: Take a guess. They lost by like, what they lose by 19 or something too?
1: I'm going to say 14 times. Six. Okay. Four of them went to Renfro. Yeah, and two of them went to Zay Jones. I saw one of the Zay Jones targets. Maybe
0: it it was two. Maybe it was only one. But either way, like, that's not good. And that's, yeah, it was two to Zay Jones. That's concerning. So The offense is imploding. They're completely imploding. And the defense isn't going to be able to keep up either. They got smoked and still only targeted the wide receivers six times. Yeah, they lost 32 to 13, man. That is give me just give me Gallup and Mooney on the upside alone. I mean, Gallup is a deep threat. You know, Dalton is going to chuck it to him. There's just no doubt. I don't care if the targets aren't efficient. If he gets double digit against that Detroit secondary, you know, that to me is just a really good spot. I'm all over it. What about Diggs? you know what his longest reception was last week? No, I don't. Nine yards at nine yards. And he had two touchdowns. It was, it was, what is, I, Matt, I'm sure everyone would appreciate this. What, because I've talked about it a lot already this week. What's your diagnosis of, of the Bills' offense right now? They had one great game against the Jets, obviously. Okay, fine. Jacksonville, they couldn't find the end zone. Miami, they didn't do anything till late. And then they got smoked by the uh, Indianapolis, Indianapolis Colts last week.
1: Yeah, it's, it's really hard to say. And to be honest with you, I don't have a good answer. Josh wow. Allen still has, like, fairly solid Efficiency metrics—they're clearly not where they were last year. But you look at like his stats: completing 66% of his balls, 7.4 yards per attempt. I mean, he was at 7.9 last year. Some of the big plays aren't there. But ultimately, for me, I think it's just a positive regression point. There's not a ton changing in the offense to suggest that this team should be much, much worse there than it was. Maybe you just have a situation where they overperformed last year, and that could definitely be the case. Maybe it's something that has to do with their defense. I don't know, honestly, but they're not playing as efficient. and I, I'm not sure what is the case here. With Diggs, I don't see there being a ton of differences in his usage. He doesn't have the elite like target volume he did last year. Last year, he led the NFL in most major receiving categories, and he's certainly not on pace for that. But he is among the top of the league. It just hasn't translated to production yet, which makes me think he's a buy low more than anything else. I
0: was I had a nine thirty hockey game yesterday. And I'm driving. Usually I'll throw on a podcast or something, but when I turn the car on, like sports radio pops up. So I'm listening. And there was a guy from PFF on as a guest, pretty sharp guy. But, you know, kind of went into the, the, you hear it often like, oh, you know, they're not, they're not tough enough or they're not this kind of, kind of just that the thing that like, average casual say which he's not but he had mentioned that they're just not strong in the trenches and i thought to myself maybe you're right like the run defense has collapsed against any decent running back they face derrick henry and jonathan taylor just completely imploded they don't run the football at all it, are they going to have to find some semblance of balance? Cliche was the word I was looking for, by the way, but are they going to have to find some form of balance in the offense map? Because at some point it makes you wonder if just going complete pass heavy and not really getting any foundation of a ground game whatsoever in these tough matchups against good teams could be hurting them. I don't know
1: though. That is a really interesting thought. And My initial reaction is I don't think they're weak in the trenches. They actually have a really good pass rush. They're top 12 in the NFL in pass rush. And they're kind of built in, I don't know, maybe like the mold of the Kansas City Chiefs defense last year where they want to rush the pass or they want to play good pass defense and they'll let you run to a degree. And again, that's gotten them in trouble at times. But as far as their run game, that has been something that's been virtually non-existent for them. And I actually think their offensive line is is pretty good. So I think it comes down to like Zach Moss, Devin Singletary and Matt Breida haven't really been dynamic backs. And one interesting thing to me is when you look at this team and how much they like target each position on the field, they do not target running backs at a high rate whatsoever. So we see a lot of successful teams target the running back position in the pass game. Buffalo is bottom six in the NFL in the rate they target their running backs. So yes, you can use your running back dynamically in the run game, like as Derrick Henry and stuff, but you can also use them in dynamic ways in the pass game. We see this a lot with like Aaron Jones or something. So that's a way you can maintain a high pass rate, but you can involve your running back in a way that's not just slamming him into the back of the offensive line. And they just don't do either, which I think is a concern. Like Devin Singletary can catch passes. Zach Moss, he's not as dynamic as Devin Singletary, and he can as well. And maybe this falls on the quarterback. I'm not sure if it's Josh Allen not taking checkdowns check that are available to him and pushing the ball downfield, forcing it. I legitimately don't know the answer to this question, but it's plausible.
0: It is. So, Stefan Diggs, uh, Emmanuel Sanders, Cole Beasley. Where do we go with these guys this week? Of course, Stefan Diggs getting a lot of ownership, most popular play uh, on the slate at his position against the Saints night game
1: it'd be really hard for me to get away from Diggs. We have so much value. He's the only clear target alpha on his team. I I don't really see a way you fade him unless you're just playing the ownership game. You're playing the Millie or something. You take Josh Allen. You're like, I'm going to fade Diggs in hopes that I stack Sanders and Knox or Beasley and Knox or whatever it may be. But in low risk formats and probably in most of my lineups, honestly, I'm going to be playing Diggs I think he's somebody that is going to come in under owned, even though he comes in as one of the highest owned players on the slate behind him. It's interesting because you have Beasley who sometimes has these games where he just plays 50% of the snaps or whatever. And it's been here and there, and it's been fairly unpredictable. This time it kind of coincides with Dawson Knox coming back, who can flex out into the slot as this big bodied tight end, almost like a Jisicki. He doesn't do it on every play, but he does it enough to pull Beasley off the field. Sanders doesn't come off the field at all. So if I'm picking between the two, it's going to be Sanders for me, even though we have Beasley projected slightly higher. Sanders has the more consistent role in the offense. And then uh, can we, are we talking about Knox now, or should we wait for tight ends later?
0: Yeah, we'll get, we'll get there for sure. Let's uh, let's close out wide receiver
1: first. Okay. Sounds good.
0: Cause I wanted to ask you about a couple of other spots here. Like for me, Gallup Mooney, and and we both agree on this, are, are two really good spots. Once you get down to some of these lower owned pivots, it's or you know potential pivots, it's heinous. I mean, there's guys like Khalif Raymond, Jared Goff is expected to start today for what it's or the, tomorrow for what it's worth. Like Zay Jones, it's it's not good. Josh Reynolds was was on the field a lot last game, but it's still Josh Reynolds. Like, are there any players down at the bottom, if you're playing this on a three-game slate, that you're you're looking at and you're saying, you know what, maybe I do need to get to some Marquise Goodwin or, or something like that, whose ownership will climb, by the way, if Allen Robinson is, in fact, ruled out?
1: For sure. I, I think the priority in that range is certainly Cedric Wilson. Despite the drops, he should be operating as the wide receiver, too. Maybe if you think his role changes a little bit, you could leverage that with Noah Brown at the Stoneman. He was the wide receiver three, but it's not inconceivable that he plays ahead of Cedric Wilson after that disastrous performance last week. I think if you're looking for just pure leverage spots, some of the Bears-Lions players will give you that, and you don't need to like stack Jared Goff or Andy Dalton necessarily, but if you take a Beasley out of your lineup in favor, and it doesn't need to be Beasley. like You could run a 2v2, but if you take a Beasley 2v2, out of your lineup in favor of a Amon Ross St. Brown, who actually played a lot, but wasn't involved. Or maybe you go the route with, with a Khalif Raymond, who played a little bit less, but was more involved. And you just use them as a one-off. It, depending on the size of your tournament, that could be enough to give you some leverage. And it's not like targets aren't there for these Detroit guys. They very much are. Detroit's throwing the ball a lot. They're often a negative game script. A lot of that does flow through Swift. But in the event that one of these receivers... Just has like a 10 target, eight catch game, and maybe he doesn't even score. But like that raw PPR volume alone could be enough to get you there in a tournament on one of these three game slates, as long as the contest isn't enormous.
0: No doubt. And really, say what you want, but Jared Goff actually is an upgrade from Tim Boyle or he Doyle. Is. He Tim is. Boyle,
1: right? Tim Boyle. Yeah,
0: he is an upgrade because Tim Boyle's just. He could start 16 games this year. I'm not sure he would throw a touchdown.
1: He didn't in college.
0: Exactly. <laughs> really bad stuff. Hey, Matt, time to talk tight ends here. And we did get a super chat. Thanks, man, from Nick. Cedric Wilson's still a good option if Lamb is in. That's a great question because, and this is what I would say, he's still fine. His ownership will be, what's it at now?
1: It's actually in check. It's not that high.
0: It's not that high. He, he's around yes. he's
1: at he's at nineteen and a half percent, which on a three game slate again, is not that high.
0: It's really not that high. Uh, he played what sixty three percent of snaps. Of course, Lamb only played fifty four percent. But you know you, you got guys like Noah Brown and Cedric Wilson on a team that has a very high implied total on a three game slate. Matt, if I'm looking at tertiary receivers, even if Lamb were to play, which we don't think he will. I don't mind going to the wide receiver three from a team that could score 40 points.
1: Yeah, I I agree 100%. And that's why we're kind of interested in Noah Brown. If C.D. Lamb is out, he would be the wide receiver three, presumably on an offense that's explosive. So Cedric Wilson operating in that wide receiver three role, the projection would come down, but you would expect ownership to come down with it. And we see a lot of these short slates have the receivers that pop up and maybe all he has to do is score a touchdown and that's enough to get you there at his price. I remember two years ago, I think a playoff slate where I believe Deandre Hopkins was honestly still on the Texans, but Kiki cutesy, like had two touchdowns as the wide receiver three at like single digit ownership on a two game slate maybe, and just broke the slate. Like those things happen. So if CD lamb is in, I still think whoever is on the field in that wide receiver three role for Dallas is in play this in this situation at Cedric Wilson. So yes, I, I think he is still a good option for GPPs.
0: I'm with you. Hey, Darren Waller and Dalton Schultz are the two guys getting a lot of love right now. Dawson Knox a little bit as well. He had a lot of volume last game too, with them playing from behind. And then you're looking down at like T.J. Hawkinson, Cole Komet, Djuan uh, Johnson. I don't think is crazy. Uh, no Adam Troutman.
1: What's up? No Adam Troutman. He's on a right. reserve.
0: We don't have Nick Vanette projected for anything, but he ran 15 routes on 18 snaps. That's a lot. Which is
1: shocking to me because in his career, yeah. in his career, he's historically a blocker. I Seeing know. him run that many routes was shocking.
0: I know. I was shocked as well. That's a lot. And Juwan Johnson was a uh, coach's decision inactive. I still think he plays, but maybe it's minimum salary Vanette. I don't know. What are you doing at the tight end position, Matt?
1: Okay. I, I think the plays are, they're pretty clear. So Waller's going to be your number one. He just has the volume that's basically like a wide receiver, used downfield. Schultz I think is the tight end too and it's partially because Blake Jarwin's on injured reserve, so the job is entirely Schultz at this point but then down their top two receivers all those targets aren't one for one just going to be switched over to Gallup and switched over to Cedric Wilson you would expect a slight increase for Dalton Schultz too in his role and from there number three Dawson Knox he's been extremely involved as well in a high-powered Buffalo offense big favorites in this game I think and again, he's playing like 98% of the snaps. Like he's not coming off the field at all. It's Beasley coming off the field instead of Knox in some of those game situations. All three are great plays. From there, I think you have some pretty good GPP options. And commit big goose egg last week, certainly is going to scare people away. But he'd actually been playing really well prior to that. And TJ Hawkinson, just in a high volume role, but really low scoring expectation. One thought I had at the tight end position that I want to get your thoughts on is running two of them because it's actually a pretty strong tight end slate for only having three games, six teams. Like the fact that we get Waller, Schultz, Knox, Hawkinson, and Komet, all tight ends that are pretty involved in their offense. I think you could use tight ends on this slate, two of them that is one in your flex, get rid of a lot of ownership. And I don't think you're sacrificing that much in projection. For example, if you run like Waller, Schultz, how different is that than running Waller, Cedric Wilson, other than the price or... You could even throw Gallup in there if you'd like, but I don't think the difference is that great.
0: Absolutely. I don't want to do like a Waller-Vanette or Waller-Jawan-Johnson. Ben. What's that? I agree with that. Yeah, but Ben and I talked about this yesterday too, Matt, on the first look. To go, yeah, Waller and Knox makes a lot of sense the, because you're right. When it comes to these cheap options at, at wide receiver, you can make an argument that, even the touchdown equity is a lot higher for most of these tight ends. Uh, and the target, the, the projected target share is not much lower either. Like if Dawson Knox is the same price as, say, I don't know, Traquan Smith against that Buffalo secondary or uh, Amon Ross St. Brown Brian Edwards, give me Dawson Knox all day. I'm with you.
1: Yeah. I even think you could use Knox as like a one for one for like a Beasley or a Sanders. And again, he's going to project less, but you playing the double tight end with Knox to get some leverage via ownership. And that would also give you leverage off a higher owned Sanders and a higher owned Beasley in particular projects for decent ownership for us right now. So I think using Knox over Beasley in a a tool, a two tight end lineup could give you some extra leverage.
0: I love it. I also love seeing everybody win with the O avatar and then shouting us out. Well, not shouting us out, tweeting us at Awesomo HOF because you get, well, all of the love over on Twitter, the likes, the comments, the the praise. And then you get a free month of O Plus Platinum, which is $90 value, every single thing on the site, all the tools built by the number one ranked player in the world, which, by the way, if you use the promo code stuffing right now, S-T-U-F-F-I-N-G. Sorry, Mike, I'm gonna make you flip back to that for a second. You'll get one free uh, week of Osimo Express NFL for a single dollar. It includes a lot of main slate stuff, the, the rankings, the lineup builder light, but also all of our showdown tools, ownership, player projections, uh, the top uh, plays tool, which is huge. All of that for showdowns, which means you'll have all three showdowns on the Thursday slate, which are all huge, Sunday and Monday night football within that week it's good stuff hell if you wait and do it tomorrow morning just a little a little tip here you'll also get thursday night football next week so that'll give you one two three that'll give you six showdown slates for a single dollar not including all the main slate content so check that out and let me shout it out by the way go to awesome.com slash avatar download the avatar whether it's FanDuel, DraftKings, Yahoo, doesn't matter. If you finish top three in a field of 5,000 or more, tweet us at H O F. Include Matt, too, at Matt underscore Gajeski, Myself at Lafay underscore D. And, uh, well, you'll get the free month. You'll get the shout-out right here. And you'll forever be enshrined in the Awesome Hall of Fame. So here we go. Vetro, $2,100. Boom. Congratulations to you. The Showdown 400K play action just the other day. Trust the process. Uh, shout out to Lavi, ship my money, and his bad haircuts for the great content. <laughs> congrats, dude. Third place. That'll get you a free month. Minimax, man. Those are hard to win. LV, no better DFS sports than NBA. Another good night for the awesome team. Love it. Um, congrats to you. And then you got a couple more here. P- Philip, or Peter Hanley, always winning. 10,200 there. On the same night, I think yeah, 34,000. Uh, just the guy's just absolutely crushing it on back to back days. Congrats, man. That is huge. Just keeping it up. He will be, Matt, he will forever. He'll be on the the wall. He'll be in the, the ring of honor or whatever we call it. If we ever make something for all time heaters at Osimo, Peter Hanley's got to be on it.
1: The heater he's bound is unbelievable.
0: It's insane. It makes no sense. Him and Jordan Burke are just just wild. And Dade remer, this guy wins a lot too. Dropped the third late in the last game, but I'll take it. Over a $1,000 profit on the day. Always reworking my process. The more I learn from the awesome o crew. Congrats to you as well, man. Go and uh, grab the avatar. Tweet us at awesome Hof. All right, Matt, top stacks. Who do you have right now? It's There aren't a lot of them, but Buffalo getting 40.7% top stack probability. They've stunk lately, so it might just be like, hey, Josh Allen is far and away the best quarterback on this slate.
1: I think that's the case. And I think this is pretty much expected. Like Buffalo, sometimes they have a positive leverage score, even with Josh Allen drawing ownership. So I don't want to spend too much time on it. But one thing that actually really surprised me in the leverage tool here in our top stacks tool is Vegas coming in a lot higher than Dallas. I think a lot of people are going to click the safety with Dak Prescott. And they probably do realize that Dallas is playing down two pass catchers, likely don't think it matters. And I think that's probably true to some degree. But there is a world, too, where Dallas just embraces the run, uses Ezekiel Elliott and Tony Pollard to get there. And then you still have Vegas playing from negative game script. And you and I touched on this before. Derek Carr has not been playing well. They have not been targeting the receivers a bunch. But it still comes down to they should be playing from behind and throwing the ball a lot in this game. Derek Carr is pretty easy to stack, and he's pretty cheap to stack. I'm not sure what the upside is, but the tools we have here make it a little interesting to me. So Vegas with a positive leverage score, bit of a surprise, but now I'm going to take a longer look at this. And I think I'm probably going to end up with a little more Derek cars in the field.
0: Yeah. I think you might have to at this point and sorry, Jordan Lockhart. I said, Jordan Burkhart. Uh, thank you. $50 super chat just for me to correct his name. I mean, what an asshole I am. Appreciate <laughs> the show guys. As always. Thanks, man. Appreciate you. Uh, by the way, three are uh, three likes away from 100. So we'll get there. We'll get there. Thank you in advance. I'll go with one Matt before we close this out. Chicago, it sounds crazy, but it's a three-game slate. Dalton was great in half of the game that he played, only 50, 49% of the snaps. He's going to make mistakes. I don't care. I'll play the Detroit defense against him for all I care. Uh, Mooney, Goodwin, if you wanted to, you could go with that stack, and then you can get Diggs. You can get Ezekiel Elliott. You can get Swift. You can get as many players as you want Waller into those lineups. I'm not, and, and you know, the runback would be swift. Jared Goff loves to throw to him. I'm not opposed to having, if they are, if he is that low owned on a three game slate, some Andy Dalton stacks against, you know, one of the worst secondaries in the league. Sound crazy? Maybe, but I'll probably have some of it.
1: People have short memories, man. I remember vividly the Thanksgiving slate where David Blau threw three scores to Marvin Jones. Or That's some, right. Something I know of you do. I remember it vividly because how bad I got smoked based on it. But, yeah, crazy things happen on three-game slates. Crazy things happen in individual games, and there's only three of them here. So I think taking some leverage with the Chicago Bears-Lions game, albeit unlikely, could be a spot where that does get you to a tournament winning score.
0: Matt, what else you got going on today and throughout the week?
1: Man, I am busy as can be with college football. It's rivalry week, so they split the main slate between Friday and Saturday. It is like having two full college football main slates. And then there's college basketball every single day. So check out the projections. We have packages for both, full projections for both, articles for both, everything you could possibly need if you were a college sports fan.
0: Appreciate you guys, as always. Big NBA slate today. Big. Got live before a lock at 6. You got deeper dive at 445. Tomorrow, three and a half hour live stream, baby, all the way up to kickoff Thanksgiving. If you're not going to be around tomorrow, well, have a happy Thanksgiving. Enjoy the day, win some money, get drunk, eat some good food. And Matt and I will catch you back here next week on the NFL Strategy Show, presented by Prize Picks. Peace.